Your Brain on Weird is recorded in private homes, in a state where marijuana is recreationally legal. This show's content is intended for adult audiences only. Your brain on weird. I'm Sam. I'm Sage. And this is our podcast about the paranormal and also pot Ooh. and anything else we feel like discussing that gets weird. It gets weird. It gets weird. How you doing today, Sage? I am tired. Uh, the weather sucks. It's been raining for the last like two days, which I could do without. But other than that, I'm okay. I had a really good time this past weekend on our trip. Yes. I'm like going through all of the stuff that I brought back very slowly and putting that away. And so that's exciting, I guess. And yeah, just very tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like <laughs> you. I'm also tell. very uh, tired. So yeah. How are you other than being tired? The same. Uh... <laughs> Nick got a new car, which is very exciting. Oh, we that now is exciting. Have matching red cars. It's very, very cute. Wow. And we're adding a fourth player to our D&D group. So that's very exciting. We're going to start uh, having a cleric. Thank God, because we get wrecked a lot. And oh, no. we really need a healer. Well, that's good. Yes. So I'm excited for that. Yay. Yeah. Are you hydrated? Um,. Not as much as I should be. I, like, chugged probably, like, a full bottle today, and then I had, like, a couple cups of coffee, and that's, like, pretty much it. So I should definitely be drinking some more water today. Yeah. At least you recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> do you have water? I do, do have, have water. Right water. Now? I okay. I do have water. And I know you have at least two beverages. Of course. So. Of course. I have my, my iced coffee, and I have my water bottle. And I also had another iced coffee earlier. I had a Gatorade and another water bottle earlier. So I'm kind of hydrated. I guess it's pretty late, so I could definitely use to drink a little bit more water. But uh, I had a headache this morning and it went away. Good. So that's great. I feel like that's an accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably the coffee helped with that, I'm sure. But I'm not yeah. complaining. Yeah. I love coffee. That's why I had a sake mm. cup today. Ah, so good. Ah, so good. It's so good. What? Ash is readjusting. He's being weird. <laughs> he's being real weird. The way he's laying just looks so strange. Can you see how he's laying? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I saw that whole thing. You're he's so just weird. He's being a little weirdo. What <sighs> a strange cat. Anyway. Well, do we have anything else? Um, do we want to talk about our trip? Or... Oh, yeah. I think we definitely should. Okay, cool. So we did not, unfortunately, meet the Jersey Devil, to our knowledge. We did not meet the Jersey Devil, unfortunately. We did not. It was so sad. But we were in corn country and not really, uh, you know, the Pine Barrens, so. I slept quite peacefully, actually. It was a little disappointing. <sighs> yeah, I slept very well. I slept so great, actually. <laughs> And then we had a great nap the next morning. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, no Jersey Devil. Uh, no ghosts to our knowledge either at Eastern State Penitentiary in Philly. But 
it was still really fucking cool. Yeah, didn't didn't yeah didn't feel really haunted at Eastern State, which was like a little disappointing. It definitely wasn't like as spooky, you know, as like I thought it was gonna be. And we went like at night. We did yeah. the nighttime tour, and it was still like yeah. Like, it was definitely, like, a prison. Yeah. Yeah. There were a few places where I felt a little uncomfortable, but it wasn't uncomfortable. Like, I didn't feel like I was uncomfortable because I felt like there was, like, another presence there or something like that. I kind of just felt uncomfortable because, I mean, they basically left the place the way it was when they decided to turn it into um, a museum, I guess. So they haven't, there's, like, a lot of the jail cells that haven't been like renovate it like they didn't take any of the debris out and like it does make you a little uncomfortable because there are like rusty beds in there there are like the old toilets and like it is a little like weird it's like weird but yeah but i didn't feel like yeah i didn't feel like there was anything necessarily there while we were there besides other people because there were so many other people and like maybe if there hadn't been as many people It would have been different, but... They also had several of the sections that Kaylee had told us about closed. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe we would have felt differently if we were able to, like, get in there, but... I did feel uncomfortable in cell block seven. Was that the one where we walked up the stairs to the second level and then back down the stairs? Um... Or was that four? It was I can't remember. I think maybe actually it was maybe eight. Eight? I don't know. No, maybe it was seven. It, maybe it was seven. I feel like it was seven. I don't okay. know. I have no idea. But the first one, we like went up the stairs up onto the second level. Like, yeah, but we the couldn't catwalk. get past. Yeah, we couldn't get past that first gate. I felt uncomfortable up there, but it's because I'm a little afraid of heights. So that makes that sense. Didn't, yeah. yeah. So like Ben, our friend that we were with, Ben was like, oh, yeah, I felt really weird up there. And I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe it was just because we were like up on the second level and... You know, it's pretty high up. It's like a little disorienting. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I still had a great time. It's still really cool. I really like uh, old prisons and shit like that. Actually, I went to the... What do you call it? The place in London. I don't know. I don't remember the name of it. But there's a place in London and they have like a prison that is a museum and there's also like a medieval torture museum like exhibit in it oh my gosh it was just really really cool so i've always kind of been super into that stuff but also not haunted there either so i mean who knows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very strange well i did get to i did get to have a beer if you go on the night tour they have beer that you can buy oh, yeah that was very cool i got to walk around with my beer and uh you know, look at all the cell blocks and whatnot. Listen to Steve Buscemi in my ear. Oddly pleasant. Oddly, Oddly pleasant. pleasant. Yes, I think I think they um, might have done some adjustments on his voice though. Or to his make it voice a little... is just a bit, and he's just talking possibly for it. That's yeah. very possible. You're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also wish we had more time to look around, but we were kind of on a time crunch. Yeah, and it's okay. It's we can go back. We can go back. Yeah, we can definitely go back. Maybe we can try and go on a day where there aren't as many people there. Middle of the week type stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Oh, I got some... I did get some cool pictures. Even though I didn't see any ghosts in them, I did get some cool pictures. So That's good. And then the only other thing we went to do was see Dijarnet. Oh. Which... 
since Sage has been there the last time, they, I guess, maybe constructed a deal with the museum that's right down the street from it. So now it's, like, patrolled. Yeah, they tightened security. They tightened up security. We, uh, We were driving down the street, and Sam got a phone call. So we pulled over pretty much right next to Desjarnet, and a guy in a golf cart came up and was like, what are you guys doing? And Sam was like, I- I'm sorry, I'm taking a phone call. And he was like, okay, well, I need you to, you know, keep moving, basically. So. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, just so everyone knows. But it was still a very creepy building. It's very weird looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I, d- I think, like, the one thing, like, I didn't realize was, like, how how close it is to, like, the road. I, like, didn't know. And then and then Sage was like, oh, it's right there. And I was like, oh, it's, like, right there. Like, yeah. right there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you can go around the entire building because there's a road, roads, a couple different roads that just loop the entire building, which is mm-hmm. cool. So you can see it from all angles. And it's huge. Very big. Very, very big. Yeah. So that was exciting to see. I'm glad that we, uh, I'm glad that you got to see it. And uh, yeah. you got to grasp what I was trying to explain when I was like, no, it's literally like there's a McDonald's. You park at the McDonald's and it's like, right. It's like right there. Right there. It's like maybe a quarter of a mile. Like it's, yeah. it's not far. It's not far. Yeah. It's like peeking up over the trees. Yeah. It's yeah. very nice. Also, we ate at Waffle House right down the street. Oh, yeah. That was an incredible experience. It I was love Waffle great. House. Ugh. The lady who was uh, the grill master was just, like, going ham on the freaking hash browns. Like, it was great. Yeah. It was oh, so good. I love Waffle House. <sighs> I keep thinking about that meal. <sighs> I just want endless hash browns. Endless yeah. hash browns. <laughs> oh, that's what they should have. You uh. go and pay, like six bucks and they just like give you endless hash buttons i could maybe get like three to seven servings down mm-hmm. that sounds right yeah oh so good i just All right. keep eating <laughs> yes. okay now i'm hungry yes even i know I'm I, was gonna, I was like okay. man now i'm hungry too <laughs> all right well <laughs> should we change the subject to uh the thing my thing yeah okay. yeah yeah what do you what do you what do you what do you let's what do completely you? completely change the subject from delicious food to something a little unpleasant um so also on our trip sam and i had a few fun synchronicities and wait yes. i have a synchronicity to tell you but it's okay. really dumb so we were listening to <laughs> no, synchronicity is dumb i think they're all cool but I know. Yes, so we yes, were yes. listening to Astonishing Legends, and the uh, episode was the uh, something. The Mad Doctor of Spokane. Yeah, Mad Doctor of Spokane, and basically uh, uh, he was comparing this guy to like Great Gatsby and like parties in the twenties and stuff. And then like um, I get home and I lay down to take a nap yesterday, and while I'm napping, Nick puts on the Great Gatsby. <laughs> wow, that's cool. So like that was kind of a weird synchronicity. Also, that movie is awful. That's the end. Okay, thank you. I kind of liked it. Oh, I thought it was just so boring. It was so boring. I was it like, does kind of drag off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fun. That. Fun. Okay, so your synchronicities. Well, also during All that episode. <laughs> yes. So also during that episode, though. Oh, okay. They had Amanda Paulson, 
who's a paranormal investigator on on the Astonishing Legends uh, episode we were listening to. And she was saying that um, one of her most like prominent, memorable experiences was at the Lizzie Borden house. And then also during our trip, we listened to And That's Why We Drink. And they brought up the Lizzie Borden house oh, during yeah. the episode we were listening to. And neither of these episodes are recent, I don't think. The Astonishing Legends episode just came out. Um, oh, it was okay. The newest one, yeah. Oh, okay. So that one was like so that one was pretty actually, recent. Like, new. Okay, word. Yeah. Okay, but the other one was not at all. Not. I think it was but... maybe from a few months ago. Yeah. So not like years ago, but yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, so they brought up Lizzie Borden a couple times, and the Lizzie Borden house is basically right in between where Sam and I live in Massachusetts. So it's like pretty close to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figured that. I would talk about it this week. Yes. I will warn everybody, this is a murder case. It's pretty gruesome. So if you don't necessarily like hearing about true crime, you might want to skip this one. Although I did cut out some of the more like gruesome details. So I tried to make it a little less... Okay. Aggressive. Aggressive. It's pretty aggressive. Yes. Yeah. But if you want to read more about the gruesome stuff. Um, I did use Wikipedia as a source. And then there's a documentary on YouTube called The Curious Life and Death of Lizzie Borden. Um, It's put on by, or it's on the Smithsonian YouTube channel. And the host is Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris, who's a medical historian. And she's very into like, gruesome details about deaths she's like very into uh like anatomy and stuff like that and i just like think she's super fascinating her twitter account is also really cool if you're into gory death and the science of it what is her handle i actually am interested in that thank you let me go find it please hold she's also very attractive i will i will put that out there um noted (laughs) I was going to say, I have a lot of gay feelings about Lizzie Borden anyways, so I'm sure it'll come up. That's fair. Dr. Lindsay Fitz. L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-F-I-T-Z. Perfect. Um, She's also an author. So yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I guess I will start off the Lizzie Borden story with the famous nursery rhyme Mm -hmm. that us growing up in New England know pretty well. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Morbid. Love that. Yes. Love that. So here we go. Here is basically the timeline of this whole murder case. Oddly enough, this happened on August 4th, 1892, which was yesterday. Mm -hmm. We are recording on August 5th, just so everybody knows. Um, This episode comes out on the seventh but uh yeah so that was the first thing that i was watching the documentary and the date came up and i had to pause the documentary and i actually started crying because i was kind of just like what the fuck is happening and i like didn't know how else to react (laughs) now orion is yelling in the background so yes august 4th 1892 i will make this very clear i did not plan this i did not know until i literally started watching the documentary on youtube (laughs) earlier uh, Orion. That's fucking wild. 
That's wild. Uh, Lots yeah. of significant date synchronicities. What other what other event did that happen with that I was talking about that and I was like, oh, that happened yesterday. Well, I don't know. Well, there was the while we were going through my grandparents' stuff, we found the tape that had your birthday on it. Oh yeah, there was that too. So oh. there's that. I don't remember what the other one was, though. I don't remember either. I'll think about it. It was yeah. uh, something I did for an episode one time, but I don't I don't remember what it was. Oh, okay. Huh. Okay. Well. I'll think about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, okay. All right. All right. So, August 4th, 1892, in Fall River, Massachusetts. Woo! Massachusetts! A town right in between where Sam and I live. Woo! So, 7 a.m., the Borden family is having breakfast in the family home. After breakfast, Andrew Borden and John Morse, Lizzie Borden's uncle, go to the sitting room to discuss some business matters. And then at 8.45 a.m., John leaves to go visit relatives and to purchase a pair of oxen. And then at 9 a.m., Andrew leaves for his morning walk. So sometime between 9 and 10.30 a.m. after Andrew leaves, Abby Borden goes upstairs to make John's bed. Suddenly, Abby is struck on the side of the head just above her ear with a hatchet. She falls face down on the floor, causing bruising on her nose and forehead. Her killer then struck the back of her head 17 more times. That's so many. It's literally overkill. Mm -hmm. Then at 10.30 a.m., Andrew's key fails to open the front door as it's locked from the inside. Bridget, the family live-in housekeeper, goes to unlock the door, but finds that it's jammed. Meanwhile, Lizzie Borden is standing at the top of the stairs laughing at the fact that Bridget is struggling with the lock. So Andrew asks where Abby is, and Lizzie says that she had gone to visit a sick friend. So Lizzie helps her father remove his boots, puts him into slippers, and leads him to the sofa for his daily nap. Um, And then Lizzie tells Bridget that there's a sale at the local department store and that she's free to go if she wants, but Bridget doesn't feel well and decides to go take a nap in her bedroom in the attic instead. Between 10.45 and 11 a.m., Lizzie goes into the barn for about 20 minutes to a half an hour, for whatever reason. Then at 11.15 a.m., Lizzie Borden enters through the front door to find her father dead on the living room couch. So he's slumped over, and he's been struck 10 to 11 times with a hatchet. So Lizzie calls Bridget and tells her to go and get help, but doesn't allow her to enter the room. Bridget goes and summons Dr. Bowen, the family physician from across the street, who determines that both Andrew and Abby are dead. (laughs) Yes. So police are stationed around the house for the night. Lizzie and Emma's friend, Alice Russell, decides to come and stay with them for the night. Overnight, an officer sees them enter the cellar, um, carrying a kerosene lamp and a pail. Later, both women exited the cellar, but Borden returned alone and immediately was seen leaning over the sink. So later in the basement... (laughs) Police find two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with the handle missing. The break appears to be fresh, but there's no blood to be found anywhere, and the dust on the hatchet looks like it was applied by hand. Interesting. Let me just sift some dust over this. Yeah, basically, to make it look like it had been there for a long time, I guess. The other thing is that uh, Abby and Andrew were later autopsied on the dining room table. (laughs) That's great. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. So now we can talk about Lizzie and her family. So Lizzie was born on July 19th, 1860. She had a very religious upbringing. They were a really religious family. So she attended church activities regularly, and she even taught Sunday school. Um, Her classes normally consisted of children of recent immigrants as well. I guess Puff is just going to scream during this episode. Mm -hmm. Lizzie was also the secretary treasurer of the Christian Endeavor Society and the Women's Christian Temperance Union. 
and she was a member of the Fruit and Flower Mission. Nice. So she was very active in the community, and people, like, knew who she was. So Lizzie's mother was Sarah Anthony. Her father was Andrew Jackson Borden. I need to go grab him. (laughs) And Ash got up and ran away. Okay, goodbye. All right. Well, had to go feed my cats, but... He had the food. He couldn't resist. He couldn't. So, Lizzie's mother, Sarah, died in 1863, and her father remarried Abby Durfee Gray. So, Lizzie called her stepmother, Abby, Mrs. Borden, and believed that she had married her father for his wealth. So, it was already very clear that Lizzie did not like her stepmother. And then Lizzie also had a sister, Emma, who at the time of the murders was away in Fairhaven. I think she was like getting a dress fitted or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. So she conveniently was not there at the time of the murders. And then Bridget Sullivan, or they called her Maggie, was their 25-year-old live-in housekeeper who was an immigrant from Ireland. Uh, So that's all the members that are in the house. And then John Morris was visiting, who was Lizzie's uncle. So Lizzie's father, Andrew, grew up very modestly and basically um, struggled his way up to the top and ended up being a wealthy and influential local businessman. He was in the business of manufacturing and selling furniture and caskets. Interesting. (laughs) He also did a ton of other things. Um, He was a property developer. He owned a ton of commercial property. He directed several textile mills. He was the president of Union Savings Bank. He was the director of Durfee Safe Deposit and Trust Company. And his estate was valued at $300,000 at the time, which is about $9 million today. Nice. But even though he was really wealthy, he was known for his frugality. Um, they didn't necessarily live in a super nice house. And their house didn't have indoor plumbing, which was starting to be more common of you know, people who are like upper middle class or wealthy mm-hmm. as people started to have indoor plumbing. So they didn't necessarily live in an affluent area. Um, they had other family members who lived in an area called the Hill, which was like mostly wealthy white families. Yeah. So Lizzie and Emma also made it pretty clear that they weren't very happy about that. Like they were kind of jealous of their other family members for living in like a nicer area. And it was, uh, There were a lot of reports that said that it was not a very happy home because uh, Lizzie and Emma kind of were bitter towards their parents. Yeah. So they rarely ate meals with their parents. Andrew was very controlling and strict, and there was a lot of tension going on. So a lot of people said that in the months before the murders, the tension just like slowly was growing and growing. One of the things that contributed to that was that Andrew found out that Abby's half-sister was about to be evicted. And so he bought the house that she was living in and put it under her name to prevent her from getting evicted. Which is like, I don't know, I thought that was like pretty nice. Yeah, interesting. Which we don't know how much of this is true. So I'm not sure if that's how it really played out, but that like sounds like a pretty nice thing to do. And he had also given a lot of other gifts of real estate to other members of Abby's family. So Lizzie and Emma were also becoming bitter because... They were thinking they were going to lose their inheritance because all of their father's money and all of their father's resources were going to Abby's family. And they're like, hey, we're like right here. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So the murder happened in August of 1892. But leading up to this, in May of 1892, Andrew 
killed a bunch of pigeons that Lizzie had recently built a roost for in their yard. Wow, rude. And he killed them with a hatchet. Fuck that, dude. So, that's fucked up. Super fucked up. And then in July 1892, there was some kind of family argument that led to both sisters taking extended vacations in nearby New Bedford. Upon returning to Fall River, Lizzie went and stayed at a local rooming house for four days before coming home. So she obviously didn't want to go home for whatever reason. Yeah. And then a few days before the murders, the entire household became violently ill. There were neighbors who said that there was mutton that had been left on the stove for too long and they all ate it. But Abby speculated that they had been poisoned. And so this led to people saying that Lizzie had been the one to poison them. But she got sick too? I'm pretty sure she also got sick. Yeah. Because I know that during the investigation, I don't know whether this was a lie or not. It very it very possibly could have been a lie. But I know that during the investigation, they were trying to get her to like do an interview. And she was like, no, I don't feel well enough. Like, I need to go lie down. So yeah. I think that she also got sick. But there was a rumor that she had recently gone to the local drug- drugstore and inquired about uh, hydrocyanic acid, which she was going to use to clean her furs. But the thing is, is that this acid doesn't have any antiseptic properties, so it doesn't really make sense for her to be using it for that. Interesting. Yeah, I don't really know. And then, the night before the murders, of course, the brother of Lizzie and Emma's late mother, John Morse, their uncle, visited to discuss business matters with Andrew. So, here we go back to the morning of August 4th. The fact that Andrew was possibly going to maybe give some of his assets or some of his estate to John, it might have exacerbated their desire to want to do something about it. Yeah. So, and then I do want to talk a little bit about the trial. I won't, like, go too into it, but on August 6th, a police officer and the mayor arrived at the Borden home to inform Lizzie that she was a suspect. During this period of time, people reported that she seemed oddly composed about her parents' death, and most of the officers reported that they didn't like her attitude, which, whatever, if you're a woman talking to a man and, like, your family members have just died, you might be a little rude. Yeah. Listen, if they already thought she was a suspect and they already thought she did it, no matter what she said, they would have said they didn't like her attitude. Exactly, exactly. So that doesn't really, like, help contribute to anything. (laughs) She was a woman in the 1890s, like, come on. Yeah. 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 That is so sad. Yes. So after she's told that she's a suspect, on August 7th, Alice Russell, their friend, comes into the kitchen and finds Lizzie tearing up a dress, and she explains that it's covered in paint. She, I guess, like, walked by a wall that had wet paint on it, and she was going to put it in the fire. Alice told you know, the people at the trial that she saw Lizzie about to burn a dress. And so this just made everybody go crazy. But Emma later claimed that she told Lizzie to burn the dress simply because it was old. And that was a a common practice for them. When clothing got old, they would just burn it. So that makes sense. (laughs) 1890s things. Mm -hmm. Um, On August 8th, four days after the murder, Lizzie appears for her inquest hearing But for the last few days, she's been prescribed morphine to calm her nerves. So everybody notes that her behavior is erratic. She often refuses to answer questions. She contradicts herself constantly, and she seems extremely confused. Um, So obviously, this doesn't help her case. Wow, I wonder why she was confused. Could it be all the speed she's on? Yep. 
And she was on a double dose of morphine, morphine too. She wasn't on a regular prescription dose. She was on a double dose. Yikes. Yeah. Um, and if you know anything about morphine, it's extremely destructive. <laughs> Especially in the doses that they used to give out. Mm-hmm. And it was there used were- for everything back then. Yeah. Like, everything. The documentary I watched said that they would use it for women's issues, which we've talked about this before. Women's issues is basically anything. If your husband asks you to do something and you say no, like that's a women's issue because you are telling your husband you're being defiant. Yeah. You know, it could could literally be anything that they would give people morphine for. So on August 11th, while she's on morphine, Lizzie is served with a warrant of arrest and she's jailed. The inquest received press attitude nationwide, including a three-page article in the Boston Globe. And then a grand jury began hearing evidence on November 7th. Lindsay was indicted on December 2nd. And then in 1893, on June 5th, the trial finally started in New Bedford. The prosecuting attorneys were future U.S. Supreme Court Justice William H. Moody and former Massachusetts Governor George D. Robinson. It was two of the people that it included, so it was like a pretty substantial trial. Yeah. Both Andrew and Abby's skulls had been removed during the autopsy, and they were admitted as evidence in the trial. So they just, boop, stuck their skulls up at the front. One of the things that they did was they took the hatchet, and they like fit it into the skull to show that that had been the murder weapon. And apparently, upon Borden seeing the skulls come out, she just fainted. So whether that was her being dramatic or whether that was a legitimate reaction to seeing the skulls of her parents in front of her. Yeah, I bet she wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Also, you're on morphine still, so I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Oh, God, that's probably terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they also took out crime scene photos, which you can still look up. I've already seen them enough today, so I'm not going to look them up, but they're pretty easy to find. They're pretty brutal. But they talked about the crime scene photos, obviously, during the trial. And one of the big things was that Andrew was wearing his boots in the picture when Lizzie had claimed that she had helped him take his boots off and had, like, put slippers on for him so that he could take a nap. So that was a big thing. Strange. Yes. So basically, during this whole trial, she's facing the death penalty. Like, she's facing being hanged. So... Everybody is kind of, you know, how can this affluent Christian woman kill her parents? And it's this whole thing of, you know, she was a very small person, you know, is a woman capable of doing something like this. And eventually, after only an hour and a half of deliberation, the jury acquitted her of the murders. Wow. It's a common, I think, assumption that she was found guilty because of the like nursery rhyme i think feel like everybody thinks that she was found guilty but she like wasn't and the whole murder is unsolved they never figured out what actually happened wild there are other suspects obviously i'm not going to get into that whole thing you can watch the documentary or research it if you're super into that um John Morse was seen as a suspect for a period of time lizzie's uncle but apparently he provided an quote, absurdly perfect and over-detailed alibi, which can sometimes mean that they're lying Yeah, if you're giving too many details. But apparently they were like, no, this guy's all set. 
he was like buying oxen and going to visit family. He's like, here are my oxen to prove it. My two oxen I bought and the receipt, maybe. I don't know what kind of receipts they had back then, but anyway. Um, I bought two oxen. From me to you, oxen. Oh, they also just thought that it had maybe been somebody who didn't like Andrew because Andrew was like really wealthy and really well known and maybe, I don't know, somebody was angry at him or something, but there was never any evidence to say whether there was like an outside party who had broken in or anything. A lot of people think that it was a burglary gone wrong, but nothing was ever stolen. So I guess it's up to you what you think happened. All we can do is wildly speculate. Exactly. Something that might contribute to your wild speculation is, so Lizzie and Emma ended up moving into a really big modern house in the hill area in Fall River that they really wanted to move to. They named it Maplecroft. Cute. So they had successfully inherited their father's money. So whether them being upset about losing their inheritance contributed to their parents getting murdered or not, they still got to have their large staff. They had a chauffeur. They had live-in housekeepers just like before. Apparently, Lizzie was very into like day trips to New York. So yeah, very fun. Very fun. And since Abby had supposedly died first... Her estate went to Andrew and then got passed to his daughters. But there was a decent amount that was paid to settle claims that Abby's family later made. So there was some money that went back to Abby's family. Mm, mm, okay. Lizzie changed her name to Lizbeth. She was still completely ostracized by local society. And in 1897, she was accused of shoplifting in nearby Providence, Rhode Island. Wow. <laughs> Don't know about that. Uh, and then in 1905, Lisbeth hosted a party for actress Nance O'Neill, soon after which Emma, her sister, moved out of the house and never saw her sister again. So something happened at this party with this actress that made Emma say, I'm out of here. Okay. So Lizzie Borden died on June 1st, 1927, at the age of 66 in her home. Funeral details were not published, and it's rumored that very few actually attended her services. At her death, Lizzie was worth over $250,000, which is about $5 million in today's money. She owned two homes, two cars, several office buildings, and a huge collection of jewelry. She ended up leaving about $30,000, which is $600,000 uh, in today's money, to the Fall River Animal Rescue League. So Cute. that's really cool. And then the remainder of her estate went to her friends and uh, family members and stuff. So... Nine days after Lizzie died, Emma Borden passed away at the age of 76 at a nursing home in Newmarket, New Hampshire. Weird. 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 Yep. Weird. <laughs> uh, this is very close to where Sam grew up. I thought that was a little strange. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. My parents mm -hmm. lived there for a good amount of time, too, which is fucking wild. Yeah. Wild. <clears throat> so, yeah. Interesting. Um, neither <sighs> sister ever married, which led to a lot of speculation that maybe Lizzie was a lesbian. Um, specifically a lesbian because she was seen very often with other women. She, like, had a lot of women as overnight guests. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Lizzie and Emma were buried side by side on a family plot as well. 
So even though they didn't talk for the last however many years of their life, couple decades of their lives, um, they were still reunited in death. Interesting. In a way. Yes. Battling it out in the afterlife, I guess. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Lizzie Borden has been depicted in a lot of different forms of media, and she's often shown as committing the crime for which she was acquitted. Most people think that she was guilty. A lot of people think that it had to do with the fact that her father was very strict. You know, maybe there was some kind of sexual or physical abuse going on there. We don't really know. <laughs> but whatever or who uh, whoever committed the murders definitely did it out of hatred because you don't just go at somebody that many times if you don't have some kind of anger behind it. Yeah. A vendetta. Yeah. Yeah. A crime of passion. <gasps> A crime of passion fruit. Wow. <laughs> Tart. The other thing that I found was I found a second verse for the Lizzie Borden rhyme, mm. which I will share with you now. Andrew Borden now is dead. Lizzie hit him on the head. Up in heaven, he will sing. On the gallows, she will swing. Wow. Dark. Dark. She did not, though. So She didn't. She didn't. Because she's that bitch. I don't know. She apparently was not physically capable of it. According to what everyone said. Lizzie Borden did nothing wrong. I don't know, man. I don't know. Listen, I don't really know what other options we have. I'm not saying she didn't kill her parents. I'm just saying she did nothing wrong. Cause I guess that's fair. In in my head, you have to have like so... Like she was like in her 30s too, right? Yeah. When this mm -hmm. happened? Yeah. I feel like I heard somewhere that her father was like really strict about them even like dating too. Yeah. Um, so that's why, like, her and her older sister, like, were, like, in their 30s and 40s and, like, living at home still. So, like, you can just take, like, you can only take so much of, like, years of abuse and, like, just, like, hating your life. And then one day you just, like, find an opportunity and you just fucking go for it. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Probably shouldn't have been a piece of shit, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. I could see I could see both. I could yeah. totally see both, you know. Yeah. So, all right. Well, either way, the Lizzie Borden house is now a museum. It's also a bed and breakfast, and you can go and visit, you can spend the night, you can see where both of the victims died. You can even stay in Lizzie's room. You can sleep in the bed she slept in. Really just get into that headspace, you know? Okay, so they always say, like, the bed she slept in, but I assume, like, just the bed frame. Do you think they replaced the mattress? Like I'm assuming they replaced the mattress, yes. Because okay. that's a sanitary concern if I was you like, have a bed and breakfast. That is an old-ass yes. fucking mattress. It's probably uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm assuming it's an, it's new. Uh, anything fabric has been replaced. Mm-hmm. And they also, they recently renovated it, and you can sleep in the basement now. Ooh. So they have, like, rooms in the basement that just have a bed in them. So <laughs> you can sleep where they kept the hatchet. Very fun. That is fun. I would be, I'm excited about that. Yeah, so I did look up. Here's the other really fun thing. I might end up cutting this out. So um, I guess if you want to know this other fun thing, you can message us on Patreon or on Twitter or something, and I can tell you, but I can't really uh, say it publicly because... I'm uh, hoping for a career move with this, so I don't want to get in trouble. 
Holy shit. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so I discovered that and, like, had a fucking breakdown. I hope you get that job. That would be really cool. I'm gonna keep harassing them. Oh, that'd be uh, cool as shit. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah, holy shit. That sounds great. That yeah. sounds so great. Yeah. And that whole fucking chain of synchronicities that led to it, it's just, like, wild. I, like, can't even fathom how, like, I had no idea about any of it. I didn't know the date. I didn't know who the Lizzie Borden house was owned by. I didn't know any of that. This is all yeah. <laughs> wild. I think they just bought the Lizzie they Borden did. house too, right? They did. Yeah. Like maybe like six months ago, I think they bought it. Holy shit. So it's like recent. Yeah. yeah very well, cool. Okay. The last thing that I wish was the majority of this, I guess, but like, I think that the whole murder case is really interesting in and of itself. I think, like, speculating about what happened is really interesting, but it is pretty haunted, from what everybody says. Um, I'm inclined to believe... (laughs) I'm inclined to believe that, even though we haven't been. But some of the things that are reported are the sound of a woman crying, apparitions, rocking chairs that rock on their own, muffled conversations in empty rooms... Um, in Abby's room, you get ice, icy cold breezes. There was somebody that reported that they saw an indentation of a body, like, laying on the bed. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. You get the sound of boots walking across the floor, footsteps, furniture moving, cabinets opening and closing, drawers opening and closing. Typical ghost stuff, I guess. Typical ghost stuff. And then there's a local investigation team. Uh, named Mass Most Haunted that claims that a spirit attacked their camera while they were out having a smoke. So <laughs> I didn't watch that video. I'd like to look it up, but something said, don't record Scary. this. Yeah. <laughs> People say that they feel like they feel they've been touched by hands that can't be seen. Yes. <laughs> One person reported that they felt like they were being choked while they were laying in Lizzie's bed, which I don't like. Kinky. Blech. Not without my consent. <laughs> yes, fair. Uh, some people claim that they hear a woman's laughter, kind of like uh, Lizzie standing at the top of the stairs laughing at the fact that they couldn't get the front door open. That's so random. Just like, haha, fucking punk ass bitch, you can't get in here now. Yep, yeah. basically. There's also been a lot of really weird photos that have been taken, and apparently there are spectral cats. I love that! Ghost, Ghost cats! cats. Anywhere that has ghost cats is a place for me. That's what I'm saying. And that's basically it. Maybe we can go and visit soon and spend the night. The rooms are a little pricey. Hey, if Even you want to help us rooms. spend the night at the Lizzie Borden house, please. subscribe to our Patreon. Please. Please. Yeah, also, really current, cool. current Patreon supporters, we're going to start putting some of the money aside for that, maybe. So... I would love to do that. Yeah, me too. That sounds great. That sounds so, yeah. super great. And we can uh, we can maybe ask them what really happened, you know? Yeah. Uh, wow. That was great. Thank you. You're welcome. Very, very wild, wild chain of synchronicities, as always. Yeah. Some of them hit very close. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was saying the other day that uh, I was like, man, like, we were listening to Astonishing Legends, and I was like, man, I love when, like, Weird synchronicities come up that are related to what we're studying. Ha ha. Ha ha. The world said, oh, you love it, huh? Here you go. We know you love it. Yeah. Wow. Well, 
Holy shit. Thank you for writing that out with me. Yeah, that was Even though I didn't... If I had been able to text you while it was happening, you should see my messages to Kin. Oh my god. Flipping out. Yeah, absolutely flipping out. They were getting, like, the play-by-play. So (laughs) I was like, I can't tell Sam, so I need to tell somebody. (laughs) I'm just gonna explode. I'm just gonna explode. Basically. Uh, And then Jeff's gonna hear it when he gets home, and he's not gonna believe me. He's gonna be like, hey... I think you're losing it a little bit. And I'm going to be like, I know, it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm having the time of my life. I'm having the slime of my life. (laughs) It's like a hug that turns you into a hug. (laughs) Well, I didn't look anything up for education, so... Okay. I'm just doing that. That's okay. Oh, this is exciting, actually. So, this is from High Times. This article is by Nicole Potter. All right, all right, all right. So, a company in the United Kingdom, someone at Leeds University and the Brain Tumor Charity, uh, have invented an oral spray that uses CBD and THC, and it has been used in trials to it's called Citivex. Ooh. It's uh super effective in these clinical trials to kill a certain type of cancer cell. It's called glioblastoma. Oh. I've heard that before. Weird. Um it was approved by the United Kingdom National Health Service in 2009. And has been going through um, trials and the study, like the, I guess, like the first, like, non-study participants is gonna start with over 200 patients in early 2022. So that's really cool. And it's, like, really cool because glio glio glioblastoma is um incredibly aggressive and is difficult to treat successfully and almost always returns even if other treatments such as surgery radiotherapy or chemotherapy are usually used are used um patients who are diagnosed tend not to live more than 18 months oh my god oh it's a type of brain tumor yikes okay so basically, they're just um, going through their official, fuck, what the fuck do they call it? A trial? A trial. Yeah, I guess. So they're starting another trial of this in um, spring of 2022, but that's really fucking cool that they broke down, It's and it says specifically THC and CBD. Yeah. And that how that can treat and kill a certain type of brain cancer which is fucking wild i believe yeah fucking wild that's really fucking cool and exciting and there was a lot of big words and i mostly understood what i was talking about <laughs> hey i kind of understood i i understood as much as i think i could understand yeah that's fair <laughs> so, okay cool yeah <laughs> yeah so actually that's like really cool and really promising especially for something like uh, brain cancer that just like you'll, you're gonna die like it's yeah. a death sentence if you get it so that really sucks but mm-hmm. good to know that that is working yeah yeah can you actually send me that article because uh i want to send it to Allie. yes because she works with cancer cells i feel like she'd think that's really cool i was talking to her earlier today about uh mark hoppus 
from Blink-182 because he's currently going through chemotherapy and I have him in my thoughts daily. Oh. Lovely. Thank you. You're welcome. Copy. Paste. 100. 100. All right. Well, do you have anything else to say to our lovely lists? Lisps? Lisps. Not really, I guess. All right, cool. Subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. Subscribe to our Patreon so we can go and stay at the Lizzie Borden house. Yes. And you'll get, oh, yeah, we're working on a bunch of, like, bonus content and shit. Mm-hmm. We can post all the pictures that we took. So if you are a patron, be on the lookout for some cool shit from our trip to Eastern State and other places. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, da, 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 da. for everything else, check out our website at yourbrainonweird.com. We've got stickers and merch and stuff. We do have stickers and merch and Ooh, stuff. Ah. All right. Well, thank okay. you guys so much for listening. We appreciate your support thus far. Thank you to our uh, Patreon supporters once again for funding our trips to Eastern State and whatnot yes it also helped pay for our campsite in new jersey so thank, thank you for you. that <laughs> and uh yeah thank you hope to see you again next week hope to hear us again ne- never mind we hope that you hear us again next week we will be recording next week <laughs> perhaps you will hear us after we record huh uh, uh, okay 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 that's great <laughs> well i'm sage and i'm and i'm sam and this has been your brain on weird yes certainly weird very weird goodbye Bye.